as a woman, we have to take extra focus on financial literacy and building our independence. And therefore, I think just learning more about what uh, wealth creation opportunities there exist and, and also not only about the capital, but also the network and uh, the sparing you can have with founders, I think it's a great addition. This is Female Business Angel Podcast, your go-to destination if you're a business angel or would like to get into angel investing and don't know where to start. Or if you just want to find out how we tick, we're Tina and Katja, both business angels from Berlin. Well, I'm a VC now. We will interview established female business angels about how they got started and how it is going, including all the best tips and tricks. So get ready for some insider stories and personal empowering moments and revelations with these incredible women. Welcome to this journey with us. Hi, Michaela. It is so great that you're with us. We're really, really happy that you're going to share some insights about your life, your life as a business angel. And just, I think you just have a very extraordinary career and especially outlook on how to live life. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Who are you? What do you do? How did you get into business angeling? Great. I'm very happy to be here, Tina. Uh, so thanks thanks very much for inviting me. Um, my name is Michala. I have a background in, in finance and investing. That's uh, what I've been doing all my life. Um, I worked more than 10 years in private equity. Um, I was principal with Pamira, uh, focused on consumer brands and internet investments. And uh, beginning of last year, I founded my own investment company, which is Rose Sky Investments, which is more focused on um, startups as well as investments into small-sized businesses, just because I want to spend more time with uh, founding teams and uh, younger management teams, uh, because I think I can add more value. So Rose Sky, why Rose Sky? <laughs> because I like the evening sun at uh, Sundowners. Ah, yeah, okay. You okay. know, the, the rosé kind of sky. I think something that a lot of people will be delighted to hear is that you do consumer investments, which yes. um, so many people don't do. And actually, like in my head, you're probably like the consumer angel because you really understand consumer. Maybe you want to tell us a little bit about your first investment, which was just like a consumer dream story. Yes, yes, absolutely. No, first of all, I really love consumer. It's it's my passion to talk about brands and really work together with, with brands. And I can also understand it's actually not only business angels and VCs, but also private equity is quite hesitant about consumer investments just because there's some cyclicality with it. And, you know, uh, you don't have very predictable, steady cash flows. But yeah, yeah you have to really understand the brand and all the yeah. execution. Yeah, none of that it. chat about recurring <laughs> revenue. Yes, yes yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, so so uh, my, my first angel investment was actually uh, roughly eight years ago. And a friend of mine, um, one of the smartest guys I actually know, he uh, approached me with a crazy idea. He wanted to sell mattresses online. And at first you think like, okay, like mattresses been around forever. It's um, like an industry for more than 100 years. And it's a very bulky, heavy um, product. Like, how can you make it work uh, selling it online? And actually what um, Dennis and, uh, and his co-founder Manu pulled off is, is really amazing uh, with, with Emma, the sleep company. It's now uh, the largest online sleep company in the world. It generated more than 650 million sales last year. Oh. And it's still, still going strong. And uh, when did they start? They started uh, seven years ago. 
with so Emma. Good. Yeah, wow. yeah, it's really it's impressive. And, and it's I actually, internationally present, right? Yes, yes, it's it's very global by now. Yeah. And I already exited, so yeah. uh, they sold the majority two years ago. Yeah. Uh, as you can imagine, it was a quite attractive deal. Um, but I think it's a very interesting, aspiring, uh, inspiring story also for for future founders to yeah. look at the success factors behind kind of the you know, uh, industry metrics, but really understand what made Emma so successful. So getting right into those, what do you think were those success factors? I think it's a lot about uh, team, culture and organization. Okay. Mm -hmm. And really driving uh, entrepreneurship through the whole organization. Uh And uh, they've definitely made that great. I think everybody who works at at Emma really enjoys it and, and loves it and feels like part of a company. Uh, even if they have now, I don't know how many, like more than 500 people, right? But mm. they started off like a really, really small team. And I think the other factor is really like for consumer, and especially direct to consumer, you have to be on top of marketing and you have to understand it, uh, build your own attrition models, et cetera. And they, have, they are very smart in doing that. Great. And how, did you, were you really sure that they would pull it off as a team? Because I mean, it's, it's really great skills building out a marketing like that and creating an organization that maintains that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, or kind of in the future, now when you look at new founders, is this like, what do you look in, in for the attributes that takes that risk out or opposite of the risk creates that opportunity? Yeah, it's it's a very good question because also I learned uh, lessons over the years. And when I look now at new founding teams, uh, actually there's, there's uh, I would say, three points I, I like in founding teams. First of all, I would um, prefer teams versus single founders, just because I think it's great if uh, you don't sit in the boat alone, but you can, you know, bounce back ideas and go through the ups and lows of uh, founding a business together. Um, the second point is uh, I look at complementary skills and even more important personalities. So um, to, to give you an example, in the very successful cases in my portfolio, I would have one founding character, which is like I would call a business strategist. Yeah. Yeah. So very structured, you know, problem solving, mm. uh, very reliable. Mm. And the other one, the other character is like a, a maniac. It's yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, you can relate, right? He's like crazy, thinks outside the box, but yeah. brings creativity to it. And it's probably a bit harder to control. Yeah. But exactly that combination between the two different characters actually yeah. results in, in very good, yeah. like, you know, energy yeah, around yeah, the yeah, business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and number three, uh, I look at uh, absolute willingness to win. I think it's very important mm, that the mm. founders are super motivated, go the extra mile and try as hard as they can to, to change the business model to make it work, like you pivot the business model if it's needed. And I agree, it's very hard to diligence that at the beginning, <laughs> but kind of I try this as a framework to, to look at the teams when so, I new companies. So do you have any like tricks on how to uh, diligence point three? <laughs> no, no, it's, <laughs> there's no magic to it. I mean, honestly, I think it's more an art than science. Yeah. And uh What is helpful to um, to look together with other angels yes. and uh, kind of do the due diligence together, uh, talk about how you would judge the team uh, and the uh, different personalities. But uh, yeah, I think that's a million dollar question to, to say. Speaking of which, <laughs> investing with other angels. I think we talk a lot of, on this podcast about finding your gang and not doing it alone. Yeah. So 
the same story for me. I, I did like one by myself and oh, it took so long to make the decision and it was a very patient founder. Um, but good deals, like you don't get into like that when you're just like undecisive. So um, yeah, so we always talk on this podcast about finding your gang, finding your crew. And you went kind of a step further with finding your crew and were involved in setting up Encourage Ventures. And um, let me repeat that properly, Encourage Ventures. Um, and yeah, tell us about that organization. I mean, I'm pretty deeply involved as well, but um, yeah, you're, you're really at the heart of it. Yes, no, Encourage Ventures is really great because it's one of the first uh, all-female networks, um, angel networks. And uh, it, it basically has two main, two main goals. Is, um, number one, to drive diversity in the founders landscape. So really supporting female founders with capital, with uh, network and uh, also know-how. And number two, which I think is as important, is just to get more women into angel investing and um, really help them to, to understand kind of the one-on-ones on what you need to watch out, um, but also present them uh, pitch opportunities to, to invest. So Encourage Ventures has now more than uh, 400 investors. Wow, that's so good. Yeah, 500 startups who registered with uh, Encourage Ventures. And uh, I think it's, it's a great, uh, impressive start. It only launched uh, mid last year. And uh, yeah, there's, there's uh, many exciting events coming up. So whoever is interested in angel investing, feel free to check it out. And the companies, do they have to have a female founder? Yes, yes. And the, um, and the angels, they are all female? They are all female. And the women involved with the um, organization, they have to be angels already or interested in becoming angels? Or Everybody who's interested in becoming an angel. I Honestly, I, I, I strongly believe uh, um, as a woman, we have to take extra focus on financial literacy and building our independence. And therefore, I think just learning more about what uh, wealth creation opportunities there exist and, and also not only about the capital, but also the network and uh, the sparing you can have with founders, I think it's a great addition. Yeah, yeah. And what kind of women is it? So I think it's, um, so from my experience um, or my impression, but I haven't looked at the members list in a while, it's a lot more kind of the South Western German, like proper business people, not like all these Berlin people that we have up here. <laughs> is that right? Like women from really big corporations, really senior management from big corporations? Yeah, I think it's it's actually uh, very mixed. Yes, we have uh, super high caliber women uh, in in corporations and institutions, but we also have now a long list of, of females who, uh, who came to a point in life where they just want to give something back, uh, i.e., uh, spend more time with startups uh, and also find a way to uh, to invest. So I think it's actually, it's it's really mixed, but it's definitely not a Berlin-based gang. We have more than, uh, I think, nine regional hubs now. So, cool. so uh, that's yeah. That's amazing. That's, that's really, really great to hear. That's great. Um, so um, in terms of um, your previous experience and also what you said about teams, so you've, in your previous life, were um, a, pr- a private equity investor and still are. Um, like, of course, yeah. Angeling is also private equity, but just in a different phase with a different risk profile. And what are like your main learnings that you could take over from your classic, let's call it a classic PE career to um, angel investing? Uh, that's a very interesting question. I, I think it's actually quite different, right? You have uh, to unlearn a lot of stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like really lo- looking at private equity 
it's a very established industry by now, right? Uh, the funds are very professional. The advisor networks are very professional. And it's, uh, I would say, it's really hard to do a very good deal outside uh, a well-run auction process. Mm. So you kind of, uh, you have to stick to the rules. And uh, early stage investing feels a bit more like... Um, Cowboy land, in that sense. Uh, it's very fragmented. Uh, it's it's a bit chaotic, um, but uh, you can create your own rules. You can decide on what do you like to uh, invest in, what are the types of founders uh, you want to work with. You can also, together with the founders, decide on how you want to work together. Like it's it's really not not established, and and I like that a lot because you can like kind of um, really generate a bit more value, helping uh, the teams to you know to put all the foundations for the future growth. Yeah, yeah. No, I see that. I see that. I mean, when you speak to you, I'm, I'm sitting across from you. <laughs> and you can see the excitement that you that you have when you when you yeah. talk about this. It's very nice. <laughs> That's how it should be. Yeah. So, but you said right now you're doing, you've got your own investment company. Mm -hmm. um, own investment company is like, could be anything. <laughs> Do you feel like talking a little bit about, um, yeah, how, what you're doing now and how you juggle it with your family? Because I think you, you you're... Yeah, running a pretty amazing model. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sure. So, so um, the investment company is really focused on startups and small-sized businesses. Um, the key focus is uh, on consumer, but also tech and sustainability. Our investment focus of a of a firm, and we have now roughly. Um, 12 investments and, uh, in, in it. And it's, it's a complete mix. It's like from intimate wellness to baby tech to like sneakers for medical professionals up to uh, logistics software for warehouses, for e-commerce. So right. you can see it's very, very broad. Yeah. And uh, how, how I juggle it is because it's, uh, it's my own investment company, it's just like I can basically work from anywhere. I just need a laptop and I need internet. And um, yeah, that's that's actually what I've been doing the last months is really working from anywhere because um, one of the dreams my partner and I had was um, always to travel around the world and show our little family uh, how beautiful and diverse the world is. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I've been doing now. So really, yeah, working from Hawaii and. Uh, other nice places. Yeah, I think with startups, it's very accepted that you speak to like in, in like in January. It's kind of strange if your investors aren't in South Africa, but um, in <laughs> if you have Berlin, <laughs> if you have Berlin-based investors anyway or Hamburg-based investors, they're all down there. Um, but um, in in kind of the more because you're still investing in sort of tra more traditional, um, yeah, areas. So how how do people react there? Uh, I think actually Corona uh, uh, really helped a lot in the sense that people are much more used to working remotely. And yeah. yes, of course, there's always a part where you have to be there in person and meet the people, especially if it's around uh, kind of a fit and, and the culture. Uh, however, there's actually a lot of uh, due diligence work you can do from uh, yeah. abroad, right? Yeah. I mean, it works like, like internet connection is really, really good in many places. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes even better than in Germany. <laughs> so I recently um, uh, heard a podcast with um, uh, Florian Heinemann and he said a sentence that I have said for many years, like VC is the most flexible job in the world. And um, from the outside, it looks so unflexible. <laughs> and I guess PE looks even more unflexible. <laughs> But I guess it is actually pretty flexible and you just need to set it up for yourself, right? 
Yeah, like, I think it always depends on uh, on the framework. Uh, yeah. Like, are you working in a big fund or are you, uh, even like me, are self-employed? Then um, mm. you obviously have much, much more self-determination uh, and flexibility yeah. with it, right? But yeah. I, I definitely agree. I think especially also now VC has become much, much more flexible, which is great. I mean... You, uh, let's be clear, this job is always very, very dynamic, right? Uh, I mean, you you know it. <laughs> so There are evenings, there's weekends which you have to work, but at least you can be much more flexible in how you uh, do your everyday yeah. Uh, yeah, Yeah, but I guess this is the thing that everyone that we talk to says. It's like, sometimes you, yeah, you have to work, do the work when the work comes in, but you really want to do it. So, um, and I, I think obviously once you've done an investment and things need to get done and it's not going so well, it can get tedious, but otherwise it's just so fun. You just want to do it. Like there are very few things I want to do in my life other than do my work. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's a complete pull factor. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's like sitting there in the middle uh, or like very late in the evening is, is no topic at all because I know I'm doing it like for myself I want to be yeah. part of it and yeah. I drive it and that really really feels great yeah yeah what are in your experience the things that are kind of hard like what what's really hard for you in 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 in, in, in angel investing I think about what I personally miss sometimes is kind of a real team. Uh, I mean, obviously, I have my gang of angels, as you say it, which is super. But also, we are like split across Germany and yeah. not always sitting together, yeah. right? Basically, a difference. Like in private equity, you have yeah. a deal team, which is yeah. really working together from day one until the finishing line. So, uh, but again, you have to pull it, right? You have to pull in other angels to do it together. But it's a bit more. It takes a bit more strength than than in other setups. And I think also managing kind of the deal flow, right? You see a lot of a lot of startups, a lot of pitches. And yeah, I, I would love a I don't know, a tool which helps to pre-select. But what what are your hacks? Like it, it, or is it very much sometimes you just don't have time and then you only look at really warm intros, or do you have any rules that you put on yourself or it's uh, definitely I think warm intros always help. Mm. To, to get the attention. Uh, and apart from that, I would really suggest uh, founders also to, to uh, immediately tell something unique about the business or themselves or something to, to catch the attention, yeah, yeah. Um, to really stand out. And I guess this is something where Encourage Ventures is actually amazing, right? Because they screen so much yeah. top of funnel. And um, so there you do get pre-selected Oh, flow. absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, I'm screening for consumer. To give you an example, we have like close to 200 startups uh, which have a consumer angle to that. And uh, just kind of a, a very, very small shortlist um, in the pitch nights. And these are really the companies where we are very, very convinced that they have lots of potential. Yeah. Not saying that the other companies don't have potential, but just kind of we need to do a selection. And, yeah, and therefore, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that's really great that you yeah open your own experience and that hard work up for others. It's um thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, it needs more women in the industry and I yeah. think um encourage ventures is great but I really think we still need to go a long way to get even yes. more women into into yeah. the topic. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And do a lot of people approach you for kind of direct advice like tell me how you do this and um Oh, yes, uh, yes, but I I definitely like it also. I'm happy to be to be a mentor yeah. and 
if if a connection fits well, then you know it's it's great. We can uh, mutually learn something from each other. Yeah. And uh, so so definitely, I would just encourage uh, everybody who is interested to really. Uh, get some skin in the game and try it. Try it on your own with investing also. I yeah, think not it, just talk about it when yeah, you want to yeah. do it, but just yeah, yeah, like do yeah, it, yeah. just yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think there's um, one thing that a lot of people say is, um, yeah, just do it and do a really small ticket. Yeah. Just so yeah. you get a feel because barely ever it's the best investment you do is your first one. Um, and just do something small that you're not going to regret and that you don't feel so terrible about giving out because yeah. it's small. Yeah. And just so you've done it. Like yeah. it's like anything that you do the first time, it's a sort of it's so hard, and every single step and every signature and every like line of the contract is, is so hard. But then it like every time it becomes easier, and you meet people that are doing it, and you feel more confident confident in saying like I'm doing this. No, absolutely. And I uh, often get asked the question, but how do I know which should be my first investment? And I, I can only answer like. Look at 50 pitch decks, speak to 20 founders, mm. really learn the Q&A process, watch other angels do it, yeah. uh, do the meetups uh, and regional events. And then you just start whenever you kind of feel the excitement, the story gets you on the hook or the founding team uh, you're really exciting about, then go all in and uh, invest a small ticket. What is the story that has excited you most ever? Like if you think at first deck call, sort of, oh my God, this is really cool. <laughs> That's a that's a very cool question. And uh, look, there's, there's definitely a couple of very exciting stories. And also looking at, uh, at uh, the companies I'm invested in, there's some I'm, uh, many I'm super excited about. And for example, the medical sneaker for healthcare professionals, I think is such a cool idea because at the moment, like kind of uh, look at uh, healthcare professionals, they have to walk like a marathon every week, right? And they don't really have a great option at the moment to wear work shoes. They can either go with the traditional big brand sneakers, but uh, they are not easy to clean. Uh, they are not very comfortable mm. for walking as much and they don't really look cool as well. And then mm. you have kind of clocks, etc., which are even worse. But finding like a real great niche for professional uh, workers uh, in that segment, which really addresses all the pain points they have, is really, really good. And that's a, it's a direct-to-consumer model. I invested in and also works super well with subscription because, I mean, people really need a shoe every six months, uh, a new one. And yeah. that really got me off a hook. And I think as a company which has uh, super great potential. Yeah, and it's a P group that talks a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pretty easy to target. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's super important. You kind of, you have a lot of uh, word of mouth yeah. and it's very yeah. authentic and uh, as yeah. a marketing channel. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Pima founder in this one? Uh, unfortunately, not in that your one. Okay, <laughs> then you have to give us your favorite feature founder pitch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, um, so there's actually two, two okay. I like a lot. <laughs> the one is Never Not, um, which yes, is a we, very cool, we love those girls, yeah. yeah, open, Women. And inclusive, <laughs> uh, intimate wellness brand. And they started off with uh, a soft tampon, but actually now launched uh, the second version, which is really like a game changer uh, and, and can be used much more broadly now. And I think they do a lot around the brand to really open the intimate wellness space much, much more. And uh, also they are very successful in uh, getting replenishment business. They have now 30% of customers returning to them, which you really see like they can focus on building a brand, mm. which is super cool to watch. Yeah. And it's a, it's a great duo of uh, founding. And they are exactly the kind of duo that you were talking about. Yes. Someone that's 
batshit crazy. Yes. <laughs> and just moves everything. And the other one that's like, mm-hmm, let's think about this. Yes. yes <laughs> but can get excited too. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, it's yeah. a great combo. Yeah. Yeah. And the other one is uh, Levi. Uh, it's oh, yeah. a baby tech business. Uh, so they really uh, want to disrupt the traditional baby phone market by offering uh, a solution which, uh, like the combination of soft and hardware, which collects health yeah. data uh, yeah. for babies. I think it's a it's a great idea. Ah, and this, but in this one, there's an interesting um, factor that I don't think we've ever spoken about on this podcast. There are a couple, right? Yes. Yes. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I mean, do you work with your uh, husband partner? Yes. <laughs> How do you feel about couples? I think it can work very well. Uh, it's kind of everybody has to respect the strengths and weaknesses. Uh, you know each other, but also very well. So yeah. I think uh, it can work very well. Uh, doesn't always have to be that case. And and actually, that was one of the reasons why I was thinking uh, twice uh, to to invest uh, in, in that startup um, because I, I wasn't 100% sure how I, how I should think about it. But I can definitely tell you also they have a very clear uh, alignment of uh, of interests and responsibilities. So mm-hmm. actually, it's, uh, Nadine, uh, the CEO, is very clear, the CEO, and has her area of expertise. And also the other two co-founders have their area of yeah. expertise. So it fits quite well in that setup. And she actually, she was like highly pregnant when she was fundraising, yes. right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I have four kids. Yeah, but they were, I mean, because we were talking to them and my partner Giza invested in them. And um, they were um, they were so convincing in the, listen, I'm having a baby in two months, but we have a plan. <laughs> this yes. is how it's going to yes. work. And they're like, yeah, this is how we do it at home. And this is how we do this. It's like, yeah, okay, no worries. <laughs> Absolutely no worries. Yeah. But I'm a strong believer, like uh, career, business and yeah. family can work at the same time. Yeah. It obviously needs a lot of management yes. uh, around the individual situation, but yeah. it, it can work. Yeah, and especially I think, and, and I think this is the same for all like female entrepreneurs that have kids. Like we always say, you have to have your heart in your business, and you do not get into this kind of situation with small children if you're not like completely obsessed. Yes. So like yes, I think you can be one hundred percent sure that someone that starts and goes on a VC track and business angel track with a business that's in a situation of having small kids or just or just about to have a, is not absolutely crazy about what they're doing. And so I think that's it's such a good, actually, it's a really great sign of commitment. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And then they will give everything. I mean, yeah, for a while, um, when especially when my, my daughter was smaller and needed more attention, she just turned six and she's going to school now. But yeah, when she was four, it was hard, you know, like they, they need a lot more attention. And, um, and but I was literally like, Work, child, work, child, work, child. But I was so obsessed. Yeah, yeah there's other, uh, yeah, other things you cut out of your life. And yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> Just I didn't run a triathlon though in that time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. cool. So um, I think we can slowly wrap up. And um, sure. one question that um, uh, we love to ask is like, one thing you can change in the world, what would it be? 
That's a tough one. Uh, I I would really go all in at addressing the climate change. I think yeah. uh, our planet needs to be more sustainable and lasting for, yeah. for our kids, for our future generations. And it's really a shame looking at how dispersed interests are at the moment, how much is going on. We're really missing kind of a global voice and we're missing uh, a long-term perspective. Yeah, And I think we really need to get our act together. Do you believe that companies without a clear positioning on their climate strategy, climate positioning can still be successful in the future? I think they will struggle more and more. Yeah. You need to have a clear purpose and how you also su support sustainability. Yeah. Yeah. Is purpose something in general you look for in your companies? Yes. Yes. More and more. I think it's super important. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has to contribute. Yes. Well, and I think people, yeah, they get obsessed more if there's purpose involved. Yeah, and yeah, and look, look at younger people, generations. Yeah. I mean, they, they are looking for employers who have a purpose, who support really sustainability, and I think it will come more and more. So that, that's a good sign, but I hope we are fast enough to, to make change happen. Yes. Well, here, here. <laughs> Thank you so much, Michala. And um, yeah, I hope we'll see more of you uh, all over and hear more of you because you're just such an inspiration in terms of how you, yeah, your enthusiasm and how you approach things. Um, how you implement, how you just yeah, execute no matter from where and how many children and in what situation. And I think it's just really, really inspirational. So thank you so much for sharing this with us. Thank you, Tina. It was a pleasure.